We are continuing our series on how to have the best year of our life. And uh, we've got this week and next week before we close out this series. And uh, we've been focusing on this idea of developing peace. Uh, And that if we can live at peace with ourselves, with others, and even through crazy circumstances, uh, then we can have the best year of our life, even if things go bad. It's not about what circumstances come, but how we approach what's going to happen this year. Last week, we kind of started the second part of this series, which is not only how do we have peace with others, but how do we actually generate peace in our life? And we talked about that it actually began with serving, with having a servant's heart as Christ did, kind of bringing that in and not just being part of who we are, like, okay, I'll serve when I have to, but understanding that service is part of the Christian life, that we get to, it's a joy to get to serve other people. And today, we're continuing this idea of how do we generate peace in our life, and it's through this idea of forgiveness. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand in here, but have any of you ever been handcuffed in here before? Like, not by choice, but like, you know, I actually, like, you know, you're heading downtown or heading somewhere. I I can say I have not been. I'm thankful uh, that I probably should have been at times in my life, but uh, I remember one distinct time. I was at home. I was living with my parents. I was uh, late high school. My brother was in college. We were home. It was the summer. And my mom calls upstairs and she said, Patrick, you need to come downstairs. The police are here to get Jay, who's my brother. And I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, I thought she was joking. I mean, my mom's kind of this, she never know what's going to happen. And while I walk down, and as I'm walking down, literally the police are taking my brother handcuffed up the stairs and out the door. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what has happened? What did he do? And come to find out, earlier in the day, he had been driving down the road and they had some water balloons and he threw a water balloon and it went into a car and it didn't bust. It actually hit a little girl girl in the face and the dad came around and followed them got their tag and everything and eventually the police came and showed up our house and my brother was arrested for simple battery with a water balloon like that was what it was on his record and i remember jay's face as he was being let out in handcuffs just like this complete hopelessness of like what have i done i have no control that feeling of like complete loss of control and freedom And the truth is, the idea that we're talking about today with forgiveness, if we don't handle it the right way in our life, it will literally spiritually handcuff us. It will keep us from experiencing the peace and the love that God intended for us. It it can literally stifle you and stop you in your tracks if you don't know how to both receive and give forgiveness. You know, our, our lives being handcuffed, we, we're not just handcuffed, we get handcuffed to, to things, we get handcuffed to bitterness, we get handcuffed to anger, to resentment, revenge, and hatred when we don't handle forgiveness correctly. And I would dare say that few of us in here would, any of us in here would want to say, those are the things that I want my life shackled to, is bitterness and anger and hatred. But honestly, sometimes when we take a, Uh, a truthful evaluation of our life, we see that those are the things that are holding us back, that are defining who we are. And so today, I want us to kind of look at two sides of this coin of forgiveness. Because when you look at forgiveness in Scripture, it's always two pieces. There's always two parts of it. They can't be separated. And, and I would think, even when I bring up the idea of forgiveness in here, we, we typically probably go to one of two places. We think of things in our life that we need to be forgiven for. 
We think, oh, you know, I've done this. I don't know that I can be. We start to to self-identify and we start to think about things that I need to be forgiven for. Some of us naturally go to the other side of the coin, which is things that people have done to me that I should be expressing forgiveness for. And, I, you know, we start thinking of things that people have done and whether I'm willing to forgive them or not. And the truth is, those two things cannot be separated. In Scripture, and the way we see it, those two things go hand in hand. We're going to be in Colossians 3 today. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Colossians 3, we're going to look at a couple of verses. But even before we get to there, I just want to read a couple of verses to you that show how these two ideas of both experiencing and expressing forgiveness go hand in hand. Mark eleven twenty five says this, And wherever, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And so what's he saying? If you want to forgive, if you've experienced God's forgiveness, forgive. If you want to experience God's forgiveness, then go forgive. Matthew 6, 14, 15 says the same thing. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If you want to experience God's forgiveness, forgive. And then Colossians 3, where we're going to end today. Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13 says this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, forgiven you, so you must also forgive. You know, when we look at these three verses, it's like all of a sudden we get this picture like, God's, whether I experience God's forgiveness is up to me. Right? If I don't forgive, then God's going to withhold His forgiveness from me. And that actually kind of goes against what the rest of Scripture says. I mean, Scripture says, hey, it's by grace we are saved through faith, by no work of our own hands. And so what, are, what is the truth these verses are communicating here? And so let me boil down a, kind of a big thought and just a key idea. And it's this. Once you and I experience God's forgiveness in our own life, we cannot help but to let that forgiveness flow out in our life. Once we have experienced it, we can't help but express it unless we do things to intentionally stop it. If you have understood and fully engaged and experienced the forgiveness of God in your life, you can't help but forgive. It's unstoppable. It is unstoppable. We, if we experience it, we will express it, which boils down to this question. Why don't some of us express forgiveness to other people? Why isn't that not a natural thing in our life? And I think partly is maybe some of us in here have not fully embraced the forgiveness of God. And so what I want to do today is kind of how do we prepare our hearts to do these two things? How do we prepare our hearts to both receive forgiveness and then express forgiveness? Before we jump into this, I want to be very clear about something. This is a very difficult subject. Understanding how we are forgiven and expressing forgiveness to others means that sometimes we're going to have to deal with pain in our life. We're going to have to deal with pain of our own choices and pain of choices that people made that have impacted our life. And that's not an easy thing to do. Some of us would rather just ignore it and keep it in the back burner and act like it never happened. But you and I both know that that's not true. That's not, that can't happen. 
Because different things growing up. Bitterness, anger. We Again, when we act like it didn't happen, when we don't deal with forgiveness, we start handcuffing ourselves to the things that God never intended. So as difficult as this may be, it's also one of the most freeing things that we can experience in our life is understanding forgiveness. So let's talk about how do we prepare our hearts to receive forgiveness. So just like a soil that isn't prepared to receive a seed has a hard time bearing fruit, you know, the seed, if, it's, if the soil is not tilled up and seed is there on there, it doesn't get in the soil, it won't bear fruit, it won't bring growth. A heart that's not prepared to receive forgiveness has a difficult time fully experiencing God's forgiveness as well. And so what I want us to do is in this very first part of verse 12, we see three things that Paul reminds us in this book of Colossians that we have to understand that will help us to receive forgiveness. Look at the very first verse. It says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. There's three things I want you to hear about to prepare your heart to receive forgiveness. And the first one is this. You are chosen by God. You're chosen. No one in here is a reject. No one. While no one in here is actually worthy of God's forgiveness, He doesn't withhold it from any of us either. None of us have done anything to deserve God's forgiveness, but yet He gives it to us freely because He has chosen us. At the very core of your soul, you need to know that God chooses you. He doesn't reject you. He isn't angry or bitter at you. You are not a disappointment to Him. At our very core, we need to know that. Living lives with this as a base concept will allow us to begin to experience forgiveness from God in the right way. If we don't understand that, as Paul said here at the very beginning, you are chosen by God, and we think we're on the outs with God, and God doesn't want anything to do with us, then why would He ever forgive us? God chooses to have a relationship with you. He chose to willingly sacrifice for you to restore a relationship with you. He chose you. But He doesn't just leave it there. He also says, God's chosen one, you're also holy. Holy. Accepting God's forgiveness is not simply putting a new coat of paint on an old beat up car and trying to make it look a little bit better. Accepting God's forgiveness means that we are made completely new. You traded in this old car for a brand new state-of-the-art, whatever new car is out there, whatever you dream of. For me, it would be a Porsche 911 convertible with a little welt on the back. I just That's the car I've always wanted. On and out to Anna's dad has one, and I'm like, if I ever go to Germany, I'm driving that thing. But it's, uh, it's not just making what your life a little bit better. You become completely new. That's what holiness is. And I want you to hear this very carefully. There is no sin too deep. There is no rebellion that has gone on too long and there are no words that you've used that are too strong that God cannot forgive you. No sin, no rebellion, no words that can separate you from God when you willingly accept His forgiveness. He takes all of that and wipes it away and makes us new and holy. We're holy. Your sin, your shame, your past, your present, none of it comes close to the depth, depth and breadth of God's forgiveness and God's grace. Our sin does not compare to God's forgiveness. 
So he says you're holy, you're chosen, but then he also says this, you are beloved. And I love this word, especially on a day like Valentine's Day, to, to think about that. It's not just that you're loved. That's part of it. But the word beloved, it literally is this idea that you have a special place in God's heart. And what I want you to understand that God loves all people. It's not that He just loves us as a group. You're not just part of this conglomerate that God loves. God loves you individually. You, personally, each one of us in here has a special place in God's heart. You are loved individually. You are loved to the depths of your soul and who you are. He loves you completely at all times. His love does not wane back and forth. It is completely available to us at all times. And when we can embrace these three things, that we are chosen, holy, and beloved people, it helps put us in a state where we can receive forgiveness. Now let me ask you a tough question. Honestly, what do you think God sees when He looks at you? What comes to your mind? How do you you think He feels? If your mind goes to this idea that God is angry at you, disappointed in you, or just waiting for you to mess up so that He can punish you, then your heart is not prepared to receive forgiveness. Because it means that we've not accepted that we're chosen and holy and loved. And we keep thinking we have to do something to prove ourselves to God. And where does this lead us? This leads us to living out of guilt instead of out of grace. We think we're guilty and we're trying to make it up to God and God says, no, my forgiveness is available to you even when you were at your very worst. In Romans it tells us that while we were yet sinners, God sent His Son to die for us. It wasn't once we had made reprimands with God, then then He did something for us. It was at our very worst when He did His very best. And so we need to trade our guilt for grace. For us to be ready to receive forgiveness, trade living a life of guilt before God to living a life out of the grace of God. But there's another side to that coin, which is learning to express God's grace. So again, if we understand we're chosen, we're holy, we're beloved, and we're able to receive God's grace, then it becomes natural for us to express God's grace. We must prepare our hearts for that, just like we should prepare our hearts to receive it. And so let's look at what Paul says here in the second part of verse 12 and verse 13. So he says, you you are chosen, holy, and beloved. But he says then, put on compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And so he kind of goes through this formula of how you and I develop a heart and remove barriers to expressing forgiveness in our life. I want to be very honest with you. There are times I am unwilling to forgive other people. And it's because I'm not putting on one of these things in my life. I'm kind of damming up the forgiveness in my life because I'm not being compassionate, kind, humble, or meek. And so what I want us to do quickly this morning is to see how, what are these things? What are these things that we're supposed to put on? And what are we supposed to cultivate in our life? And he says the first thing is this, it's compassion. What is compassion? It is when we take on the perspective, pain, and challenges of the other person. We look through their eyes and feel from their hearts. 
We have a genuine compassion means this. We have a genuine concern for others. Genuine. Not just we hope they get better or hope they do better. It's that we have a genuine concern and love for other people. If you don't have compassion for someone, you'll never forgive somebody. It just won't happen because you don't care enough to. And I don't mean to sound abrupt with that, but it's just basic, honest truth. If you don't care and have compassion for somebody, why would you express forgiveness to them? So we need to cultivate compassion in our life. And we do that by remembering what Christ did for us. I was not deserving of forgiveness. And even though this person may not be deserving for forgiveness, it does not mean that I cannot have compassion for them. So cultivate compassion. Second, cultivate kindness. Kindness. What is kindness? It's not simply doing nice to somebody. Something nice for somebody. Like, oh, I'll do this or, or do that. Here, here's what kindness is. It is instead desiring good for someone else. You know, there's the difference between doing something nice for somebody and actually desiring good for them. That they want, you want good to happen in their life. And so when you put on kindness, forgiveness begins to naturally flow because you want restoration for this person. You want healing for this person. So put on kindness. Then it says put on humility. Humility does not allow us to view ourselves and our needs as any more important than anyone else. And what stops forgiveness in our life sometimes? It's when we think our life or our needs are more important than the needs of others. And we start telling ourselves, this person does not deserve the forgiveness that I got because I was more deserving than they were. And any time we do that, we then become a a pinch in the hose of forgiveness because we think we were deserving and other people weren't. And humility puts us all on equal playing field, equal ground, that we all are in need of forgiveness. And then it says to cultivate meekness. Meekness is one of those crazy words in the Bible that always get mixed, mixed up the meaning of because it sounds so much like weakness. And we've talked about meekness before, that meekness actually means power, but power under control. And it's this idea that you and I, catch this, as followers of Christ, we have this incredible opportunity to demonstrate the power of Christ to other people by expressing forgiveness. One of the best ways we can be an instrument of reconciliation for Christ is to let forgiveness flow through us. We get to allow His power to flow through us. We don't hamper it. It controls us and moves our actions. So put on meekness. And then finally, and I think this is the toughest one, is to cultivate patience. Because what patience means here is simply this. It means to express forgiveness without regard for how it will be received. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? To be willing to forgive somebody even if they don't think they need to be forgiven. You ever had that happen in your life? You ever had somebody that they have, man, they have done something to hurt you and you're angry and bitter and upset about it and you come to a point where you're willing to express forgiveness to them and they go, oh, I didn't even realize I did something to you. It's like... I mean, it's just, it just eats back at your soul again, doesn't it? I mean, it just comes right. And it's this idea that you and I, if we're patient, 
with expressing forgiveness, it's not about how they receive it. It's about our willingness to let it flow from us. So, uh, there's a quote that I've always loved. When, When you and I embrace forgiveness, it is this. It is like literally unlocking the door to set someone free and realizing that you and I were the ones that were the prisoners. You see, forgiveness is not about how it's received. It's about the fact that we can express it. We, we get caught up sometimes in not fully understanding what forgiveness is. And I want to close with this, just a couple of thoughts of, of what forgiveness is. You know, forgiveness, I want you to understand, it's not something that can be partially given. I can't partially forgive somebody. Like, I'll forgive you for this part, but not for this part. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that has to be expressed fully to be fully experienced. We have to fully express it. Uh, Another thing about embracing forgiveness is this. Sometimes we think, you know what? Emotional pain and emotional wounds will just go away over time. Like, Like physical wounds. Like, you know, I got cut. It'll heal up. Can I tell you that doesn't happen with emotional wounds? As a matter of fact, they get worse and they start to impact other areas and other relationships of our life. And if we don't deal with them, if we don't bring them to the service and allow forgiveness to be that healing part that comes over it, it will eat away at our lives. And then this is a big one. We think sometimes that withholding forgiveness is my way of exerting power over the other person. But the truth is, it's just the opposite. When I withhold forgiveness, it literally is allowing that person to have power over me. I'm the one that's angry. I'm the one that's shackled to bitterness and hatred. And today, I want to challenge you to come out of those handcuffs, to come free, and to experience and express forgiveness. I just want to ask you two questions today. Will you receive forgiveness? Why is it hard for us to receive forgiveness? You know, I I think it's hardest for us to receive forgiveness when we feel the most shame. And I think you and I feel the most shame when we hurt those that we love dearly. When we do something that costs somebody that we really love and respect. And it's hard for us to think that we deserve forgiveness for that. And I want you to hear this morning, you don't. Forgiveness is never deserved or earned. It is something that is freely given. And you and I need to be willing to accept forgiveness for anything that we've done. It doesn't mean that there's not consequence. It doesn't mean that the pain might not still be there. But what it takes away is the tension in the relationship, the, the separation in the relationship. The, the second question I want to ask you is this, is are you willing to express forgiveness this morning? I want to ask you in two ways. Is there somebody in your life that you have been unwilling to forgive? Somebody that you're just holding on and you're literally shackled to the bitterness and the anger this morning and it is impacting you and other parts of your life. Would you this morning do a very simple task but very difficult task of just letting go? Let go. 
and allow the forgiveness that you've experienced to flow out, no matter how they would receive it, no matter if they even know that they've done something to you. Would you free yourself this morning by allowing God's forgiveness to flow through you? And then there may be some of you in here that this morning you actually, the person you're angry at or the thing you're angry at is actually God Himself. Maybe you feel like God's cheated you. Maybe you feel like God's taken something or someone away from you or God hasn't given you something that you need and your heart is bitter and angry toward God. And while God never needs to be forgiven by us, we have to allow us to have a forgiving spirit toward God. To say, God, I'm not going to be bitter at you anymore. I trust you because you love me. I am your beloved. You have chosen me to make me whole. And so my challenge to you this morning is simply this. Breathe in forgiveness and then breathe it out. Allow it to flow through you. If you take a breath in and you hold it, as great as oxygen is for us, eventually it becomes painful to hold that breath in. But as soon as we exhale, there's relief and the cycle starts again. And that's what happens when we receive forgiveness and we hold it in. It's not where it's meant to stay. It's meant to be expressed back out. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me as we close this morning? And I know even for me, as I was preparing and reading this verse, it was very challenging. It brought up issues in my life that I thought I had maybe dealt with and realized all I had done was put it in the back. I realized there were places that I needed to receive forgiveness. That I'd been saying, I'm just not quite worthy. And then there have been places in my life that I've been holding back forgiveness because I've been waiting for that person to deserve it. And I realized this morning, there's nothing I can do to become worthy of forgiveness. And there's nothing anyone else can do to deserve forgiveness. It is simply by the grace of God that I get to experience it and express it. So this morning as we have our prayer time, if you need somebody to pray with you, maybe you this is just an issue that's really challenging your heart and soul right now. You might just want to reach out to the person next to you or get somebody that you were know would be willing to pray for you this morning and say, hey, would you just pray with me? It's okay to move around or just pray as couples together. And you may not even have to speak a word. Just know that you're in need of prayer this morning when it comes to forgiveness. I want to pray for us and then we'll just continue in an attitude of prayer.